All right, my, uh, my favorite New Year memory when I was uh, a kid was I had this aunt, her name was Aunt Mary, and she was from the Bronx and had moved uh, to Alaska. Uh, her husband was actually a homesteader, so they moved to Alaska back when you could get land basically for free and you just had to, you know, homestead it. And so she was a pretty tough lady, and she, uh, she had this house, this, this uh, actually it was a townhouse, and so all of our families would go there. And as a kid, we were all deathly afraid of Aunt Mary because if you talked, not good. Like, she did not like kids at all, and so we were, we were like, super scared. But the thing we loved about it is that her husband had been a hunter and had, uh, had killed a lot of polar bears, <clears throat> And there were polar bear rugs everywhere. And so we used to like lay on them. And, and then I remember the, the moment, the crowning moment of my childhood with New Year's, uh, New Year Eve was when we went into the TV room and no adult supervision and watched Elvira. Anybody remember Elvira? You need to Google it later. But it was like, oh my gosh, what is this show? Um, but you know, New Year's, New Year's is an interesting um, thing every year because it obviously gives us an opportunity to maybe to assess things and to spend some time thinking about uh, the past year as well as the, the future. And you know, I think oftentimes it feels like New Year is an opportunity for new beginnings. You know, new year, new you. I mean, how many of us every year are like, this is going to be the year I become healthier? How many of you worked out this morning just out of curiosity? Yeah, that totally makes sense about the vineyard, actually. Just want to be very clear about it, right? Like, I mean, I thought about it. I was like, ah, I'll start on Monday. I'll start on Monday, right? You know, I'll start eating healthier because I ate, ate, ate cinnamon rolls yesterday for morning breakfast and obviously couldn't do it then. But, you know, I think there's a lot of, a lot of things about the new year and the resolutions that are good, though. I mean, how many of you, on a serious note, have, have made some resolutions this year? Like, you are, are, you thought about some things that you want to do differently or do um, that you're adding to your life or maybe stop doing. Just out of curiosity, how many of you? Who you have? Yeah. How many of you have just given up completely on resolutions? I'm just, okay. <laughs> that's, that's about where I'm at right now, too. Um, you know, I am really grateful about the new year, though, because I think that we really do need opportunities to have um, new starts and do-overs. I, I think that's something that we really do need, and I like that there's a, a, a time of the year where we actually can stop and reflect on that. I mean, I think we need new starts and do-overs when it comes to relationships, oftentimes. Um, perhaps we need do-overs or new starts when it comes to jobs, or even, even in, in church world. I think that those are things that we need to actually assess. And in some ways, I think that what God's been doing here in our, in our leadership here at the Vineyard is, is kind of like thinking about that. Okay, so we have a new, a new start. You know, we need to have a do-over in some ways because I know many of us feel like 2020 was totally stolen from us, right? And 2021 wasn't that much better, right? It was like, oh my gosh, how much longer is this going to happen? Um, so I'm really excited about that because I think that what we can do here is we can make some of the necessary changes we need to do in order to reach more people as well as to care for our, our membership. And so, um, you know, this new year, I think it'd be encouraged, I'd be encouraged uh, to know that you would spend some time thinking about that a little bit. Um, you know, the, the year, though, the new year always gives us an opportunity to kind of assess things. And, and I think it's interesting how, depending on who you are, you either love assessments or you hate assessments. Like, the way I'm wired, I love assessments. Like, when I, was, when I was working jobs and there were reviews, I was like, oh my gosh, I can't wait till my review. 
Like, I just like lists and, and learning new things that I could do better. And then there's others who, like, absolutely hate those type of things. Anybody else hate those things? Like, oh, my gosh, it gives you anxiety. Just, Mike, just like, oh, don't even, don't even. Right? Like, there's, there's, there's good and the bad with assessments. But one thing I have learned about my own life is that, is that it's really helpful for me to actually spend time assessing my spiritual life. Like, I think that that's something that's really helpful. And so there's a, a practice that I've been doing for a number of years now, on and off, but mostly on, called a daily examine. Have any of you ever heard of the daily examine? It's a practice that we can do. And, and the daily examine is essentially a spiritual formation practice where at the end of every day, you go through a set of five questions to kind of assess your day. And, and like, if you're serious about following Jesus, then you should be thinking about how your day um, you know, was engaged in the kingdom, or perhaps you also need to think about how you maybe weren't so engaged in the kingdom. And so these five questions are really helpful. And this is just the daily exam, and this is something you could easily do every single day. It takes less than five minutes, but it's just, you know, trying to become aware of God's presence. Like, where was God present at during my day? What are the things that, that happened where God may have been at work? You know, and then spending some time reviewing the day with gratitude, how many of you have heard the statement that gratitude is the best attitude, right? Like being grateful, being thankful, um, you know, paying attention to your emotions. I think that's something that um, many of us maybe have learned about this last couple of years, or maybe we're trying to figure out, like, why am I angry? Why am I, why am I sad? Why am I anxious? Why am I dot, dot, dot? And then I think number four is important where you choose one feature of the day and you can pray from it. So like, for instance, you know, maybe in the day you had an interaction with somebody that you just kind of like didn't, you feel like there was something about that moment, that person, um, to where you need to like pray out of it, you know, where you need to think about it. I had that happen recently where I was at a grocery store and I had a little bit of interaction with the person at the checkout and, and I, the whole time I felt like I was supposed to kind of talk to them a little bit or just be, I don't know, something. And I just kind of was like in a rush and so I went out. And then as I was thinking about that later on in the day, I was reflecting on how, you know what, I don't know, maybe that person needed to just have somebody say, I'm praying for you, or to maybe um, just give them a smile and engage with them a little bit. And so that can be a part of your, your, your daily exam. And then finally, number five is looking toward tomorrow, like preparing yourself for the next day. And so this is a practice that I found really, really helpful uh, but I want to do this, is I want us to kind of, in a sense, take a moment to where we can assess a few things um, about this past year and then look forward just as a church community. And so what I'm going to ask you to do right now is just to close your eyes if you're comfortable with that. If you're not, that's okay too. I promise that there will be no snakes being handled on the stage this, this morning though. But just think about these questions just for a few moments here, Okay. These are just a couple questions that I want us just to close our eyes and reflect on. The first question is this, am I closer to Jesus than I was a year ago? Are you closer to Jesus right now than you were a year ago? In other words, what does your, your spiritual life look like right now in comparison to the past year? Are you further along or maybe, like many people, you've drifted a little bit? Maybe you've gotten stuck a little bit. 
But are you closer to Jesus now than you were a year ago? The second question is what do you need to do in order to move closer to God? Right now, as we are just sitting in this room together, is there one thing that God is is just laying on your heart or maybe inviting you to, to start doing or to stop doing that would help you become closer to God? And then the last question is how can you overcome any hurdles or obstacles that are preventing your spiritual growth? Maybe there, you know, maybe there's some resources that you need to help you to, to get unstuck. Maybe there's some relationships that you need to foster that would help be a support to you right now. So God, I, I just pray that as we are sitting here for a few moments assessing our, our lives in this past year and also looking forward that you would, by your spirit, speak to each one of us. Amen. You know, these type of questions are what I would refer to as discipleship questions. And, you know, as a follower of Jesus, one of the things that I believe that the Bible clearly teaches that we're called to be disciples. Like if I'm a follower of Jesus, then it means I'm one of his disciples. And, and so we should constantly be, be engaging questions like this because I think that's kind of what the spiritual life is about, is about how we are centering our, our lives on Jesus. It's about how we're living our faith out, right? I mean, it's not enough just to say that we have faith, but we're supposed to live our faith out. And so these type of questions, I think, are discipleship questions. What I love about them is that would you not agree that the answers to these questions would vary depending on who you are in this room? Right? Like, you know, I mean, one person may be like, oh, I really, I mean, I'm just going to be as extreme as I need to stop stealing cars. You know, I just really need to stop stealing cars. 2022, I'm going to stop stealing cars. You know, <laughs> did someone say amen? That's the best. <laughs> yeah, don't steal cars, especially at church. Uh, but, you know, maybe that's where you're at, is that you, you're assessing that, Okay. Uh, however, you, maybe somebody else in this room is like, I just really feel like I need to stop biting my nails or insert any other habit or practice that you, know, you have. And that's the thing about discipleship is that discipleship is not a one-size-fits-all type of thing. Is It looks different for all of us. We're all at different places and in different spaces, and God is doing different things in each one of us. The goal is the same for all of us. We become more like Jesus, but the way that looks May, may look different for each one of us. And so last week uh, I shared about how, you know, as we really think about what's going on in society, it seems like things are, are getting a bit worse and pretty challenging in the world that we live in. Um, I've, I've been spending a lot of time reading um, a lot of work by psychologists and social, um, so, so, uh, socialists and anthropologists because I'm fascinated by some of the things that are happening right now in, in our world. Um, because I think the last two years have, have presented some pretty big challenges for society. And like I talked last week about, we, we seem to be, I mean, we were already before 2020 pretty disconnected. I mean, it's been years where you could walk into a restaurant and watch entire um, tables not talk at all because they're all staring at the phones, right? 
Like it's not just like us, oh, it's been two years. It's been like probably a decade, right? And, and so we become more disconnected. Um, it seems like there's a lot of different things that are happening right now. Um, if, I, I have several friends that are counselors, that are, that are therapists, and they're talking about how there's an overwhelming amount of emotional and mental illness right now that is plaguing every society, every city, every community at an unprecedented level. In fact, now most counselors, if you know anything about, or if you're like a normal, healthy person who wants to get some help, you'll know that there's waiting lists for every counselor out there. They're like, yeah, you're on the list now. You know, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. And, and so there's a, there's a lot of emotional and mental illness. Um, and I don't mean emotional illness. I mean emotional um, necessity to process emotions. That's, that's what I mean by that. Is there's, there's a lot of people who need to talk to somebody, and, and, and it's happening in unprecedented ways. Uh, there's skyrocketing depression right now. There's a lot of people who are unhappy and unfulfilled. Um, and then I think another thing that's happening right now is there's a, a skyrocketing, skyrocketing abuse of alcohol and drugs um, that's happening at, a, at a, an alarming rates. Fentanyl right now is a leading cause for death between for people between the ages of 18 and 45. It's a high, high problem right now. Are y'all, are y'all with me? Like, things are happening around us, right? And things are happening around us in, in some really concerning ways. And all that's happening, all these cultural, societal things, challenges, problems are happening, and while that's happening, there's a growing sense of, I think, spiritual apathy or confusion or spiritual cynicism in masses of people are remaining disconnected from church communities for various reasons. And I'm, I'm telling you with all of my heart, and I've been praying and praying and thinking and talking, because my process, let me give you a quick little two-year tour of me, um, is my, my two-year process has been like, okay, this all goes down, we're trying to figure out, I mean, we all joke about how literally when this all went down, we all were like, if you watched any news, we were all going to die. It's like, wow, this, we're going to die, you know, like, oh my gosh, this is terrible, and well, at least we'll have a mask, you know, or whatever it was, and, and we're going through, and then it just gets crazier and crazier, and now it's like, man, you can read a science perspective on every perspective out there. Do you know that? Like, I, I like reading, and I'm telling you, there's scientists that say this, there's scientists that say that, there's doctors that say this, there's doctors that say that. It is so confusing, and it's so frustrating, and it's so like, oh my gosh. So emotionally, I've been like, okay, let's just try to figure this out. And we've been kind of, we've talked about how, you know, we were, at one time, it felt like we were doggy paddling a lot. Like, we're just trying to keep our head above the water. You know, we're just trying to, trying to, to you know, figure this out. And, and I do think that now, I feel like the Lord has in many ways kind of lit a fire a little bit and said, it's time to take things back and I also feel like it's time to get unstuck. But here's the reality is that if you're stuck and you don't know it, it's hard to get unstuck. And then secondarily, if you've ever been stuck, it's really hard to get unstuck all by your own, right? Like it is. I mean, I remember being super, super stuck emotionally, mentally. I'm like, have, I have all these different things that I'm wrestling with. I mean, my, my, I told you 2020 was the worst year of my life. I mean, it was just terrible. It was so emotionally trying and then my dad gets cancer and then just you know as an aside a part of my processing was that while our community and I'm not picking on our community but while our community was in COVID denial Don and I knew like 20 people who had died of COVID 
So like I'm out in our community and people are telling me COVID doesn't exist while my friends are dying from it. It's like, okay, so I couldn't even talk about it without being told COVID, don't, COVID ain't real. Meow, meow. I don't know. You know, I mean, it was crazy. It was crazy. So I have all these emotions going on where it's like, I, I can't even talk about the fact that one of my close friends has passed away from COVID or, and then it finally, it hits our community, right? Like all of a sudden people we know get sick and they end up in the hospital. And it's like, okay, so something, something's going on here. And we all, I know we all have been on a roller coaster emotionally. All of us. Doesn't matter what political party you support or political ideology you are aligned with or, or what your religious convictions are. It's been, a, it's been a rough couple of years. It's been a rough couple of years. Amen? Can we just admit that? It's been so hard. It's been so hard and yet Jesus continues. Jesus continues to be eager to be known, and he has a mission for our church. In so many ways, I feel like, I feel like in, in the last six months, I've told some of our leadership team folks, I've said, I know that Jesus wants us to get more engaged. Like, I know that, but I'm not emotionally there yet. I'm not there. Like, I know he wants that, but I'm not ready yet. And in the last month and a half, it's like I feel like the Holy Spirit has just done some work in me. Like, I feel in many ways somewhat, like, um, healthier, well, somewhat, healthier, more stable, and really pretty excited about what God has in store for our community. Because let's go back, let's go back to before 2020. Our church community was pretty convinced that Jesus had a mission for us, weren't we? We knew it was about knowing Jesus and making Jesus known. And we had connected deeply with God's mission. Who we, we believed that God was eager to be known. He was eager to bring salvation and wholeness and reconciliation and redemption to people's lives. And we, we put our hands and our hearts and our energy behind that, and we worked towards it. Amen? We were doing that. And so we got kind of off course a little bit. And so that's why I'm convinced that it's really, it is time to re-engage or to engage, to reconnect, or to connect, and to remission. And what I mean by remission is that it's very easy for church communities to drift a little bit and to forget why we exist. Why do we exist? Why does the vineyard exist in the city of Red Bluff? Well, let me tell you that my ecclesiological conviction, meaning my, my I mean, the thing that undergirds my whole understanding of the church is this. The church is the only organization in the world that exists for the benefit of its non-members. Can I say that again? The church is the only organization out of all the other organizations that exist out there. We are the only organization that we actually exist for the benefit of the people who are outside the church, not just inside the church. That means that we're called by Jesus to be outward focused. Amen? We actually want to take the love which we have experienced and we want to give it away. That's our calling. That is who we are. That is the way that God has designed this whole entire thing. Everybody in this room right now, I bet you if we sat here and we started thinking about it, we can come up with dozens of people who we know who need to be re-engaged, reconnected with, healed, um, honored, prayed for, I don't know, whatever it is, encouraged, given hope, right? We could do that. That's our job. That's our actual responsibility. 
So for this month, we're going to be reflecting a little bit about what it means to engage with God's kingdom. All I'm doing this morning, I just want to kind of like set the table, just sprinkle some breadcrumbs out there, and then we're going to be spending some time this month diving into this. I want to dance around this topic a little bit. Um, and we're going to spend some time in the Gospel of John. So today I'm going to read from John chapter 4 and just spend a few minutes talking about it. So John chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. John writes these words. He says, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John, though Jesus himself didn't baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said. And this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You know, I've spent my life, um, 42 years now, and I'm going to say probably 35 of them, observing things. And I have observed that this world that we live in is harsh, and it's cruel, and there are many things that plague human beings, and, and people are hurting. And if you know anything about people, you'll, you'll know and have experienced that hurting people have a tendency to hurt people, Right? And that's one of the reasons why I think we have to work really super hard to keep humanizing people because we live in a world that is constantly demonizing people. And that that's goes back for history. Anytime that there's you know, societies that want to exterminate another society, what they do is they start, they start dehumanizing them, right? We, I mean, the closest example that many of us can probably think of is that the way the Nazis treated Jews, right? They started to um, create character... Um, pictures of the Jewish people and made them more and more um, non-human, less and less human. And so think about that in political discourse, right? Now we see this all the time. Conservatives have a caricature of progressives and progressives do the same thing to conservatives and, and they just go back and forth all the time, right? And that's part of the problem with our society right now is we have we have lost the ability to engage ideas rather than taking it personal. And that's another, another sermon for another time. But the point is, is that we have to really understand that, that, that God created human beings in his image. And somewhere along the way, people get hurt. Oftentimes, it goes back to their childhood. And then what happens is hurting people hurt people, right? Hurting people hurt people. Hurting people hurt people. And all my friends, as I was telling you, who are 
therapists and counselors, uh, you know, are having meeting after meeting, and they're talking about emotions and feelings. And it's funny because when I um, sit down with my therapist, my counselor, my friends who I'm processing things with, it seems like at the end of the conversation always ends up in my childhood. <laughs> every time, every time, like, how do you do that? You know, but the reality is that many of the things that have formed us and shaped us happen when we're, when we're younger, right? And then we have these events throughout life that impact us and they, 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 can, they can really shape and form the way we engage with people. And so, for instance, if you had a, have a bad interaction with somebody, um, you know, it's really easy to have that one moment shape the way that you interact with people forever, right? And so people are, are I guess my point is that we have a lot of, a lot of things that we're, we're, we're wrestling with. I mean, the skyrocketing worry and anxiety is the one that I find most interesting because for most of my life, I had never struggled with anxiety. Like, I could not understand depression and anxiety. I, I had lots of friends who suffered from it, and I'd be like, eh, don't understand that at all. Get over it. And I, if you have anxiety, is it not true that when people say things like stop worrying or calm down or relax, it only makes things worse? Yeah, have you noticed that? It's like, this is not helping me. Or, or another thing is that I've concluded that people who don't suffer from anxiety are probably causing other people's anxiety. <laughs> right? Right? I mean, it, it's just interesting. So here's, here's my point. This is where I'll, I'll end with this. Is, is that if we really take a moment and think about, about human human nature and the, the challenges and problems that we're facing right now, I think we can summarize it this way. Is that human beings have an emptiness inside of them. Like, I, I think every single one of us, we have a hole. And what I observe is that people try to fill that void, they try to fill that emptiness with lots of things. And so, you know, it, whether it's alcohol or if it's drugs or if it's relationships, or if it's shopping, or if it's food, whatever it is, what I've, what I've seen is that all of those things are able to maybe satisfy you for a little bit, but they're not long-term solutions to an eternal problem or an eternal question that we have. And so what happens is we go through cycles. We keep on trying to fill that void over and over again, and we keep on finding out that those things that we fill don't last, do they? They just don't last. But if you are a person who has come to know Jesus, and I mean really know Jesus, you know that Jesus satisfies in a way that all other things cannot satisfy. Jesus brings a solution to the problems and the complexities that we face in a way that are, that are far different than everything else that the world has to offer. And I want to be clear, it's not that those things that we oftentimes are trying to fill are bad. There are, many of them are not bad at all. The problem is, is that you can't fill a cross-shaped hole with anything other than the cross. You cannot fill a God-sized emptiness with anything other than Jesus. And that is basically where we're at as a society, I think. And then, so I just think about that, that, that statement in, in John 4 where Jesus says, if you only knew... If you only knew who was speaking to you, if people only knew God's love and God's purpose for their lives, 
if they only knew God's purpose for their lives. Let's stand up together. So I guess here's my point. When it comes to our mission, I think we have to have complete clarity as to why we're here. As a, as, a, as a group of individuals and as a community. We have a purpose in our city. And, like, I just see it all the time. I watch TV, get on social media. It's like there's all these things that the world's trying to sell as being, like, the solution. Right? Like, if you dot, 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 you're going to be so happy. Right? Like, if you just purchase this, this thing, or if you can get this this item, or if you can start doing this thing, or if you just find the person of your dreams, everything will be okay. And that's, that's, the, that's the constant barrage we're having. But let me just tell you, I, with all of my heart, I believe this. I believe that the world is telling us a story, but the only compelling, truly transformable transformal transformal story is Jesus and the kingdom. That's, that's the story that we need to enter into. And so for this coming year, 2022, I want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to provoke you. I want to convict you to center your life on Jesus and the kingdom and enter into that story. Because that story is the only story that can truly change the world and get us back to where we were headed. Amen? So let's close our eyes for a moment and, and just spend a few minutes praying. We just want to, um, you know, have a little space where we can respond to what God might be saying or doing in this room. And so with everybody's eyes closed and you know, heads bowed, perhaps, if that helps you, you know, connect more with God or maybe even be more sensitive to what the Holy Spirit might be speaking. We just invite you, Holy Spirit, right now, again, not because we don't know that you're with us, but because we want you to know that we are hungry for your work, for your words, for your activity. So I just have one <clears throat> quick sense um, that there's a number of you in this room right now who, um, you know, you really do, you, you like so quickly and so easily identify the things that you've been trying to fill the emptiness with. Like as soon as I started talking about that, you knew exactly what your things were. And I just want to encourage you right now um, that first of all, I think that's, human nature like we're always every one of us in this room has tried to do that there's nobody in this room that was born fully aware of who God was and fully committed to his kingdom and so there's a lot of grace that I, I want you to know that is available for you and so your the past decisions the past 
um, desire to fulfill the longings of your heart with something that can't satisfy you truly is actually an invitation for you to drink deeply from the well that does not run dry. And so if, it, if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you with hope that today is a new day and you can start fresh and new. And so Holy Spirit, I pray now for each one of us who are wanting to surrender our lives and to receive grace from you and to no longer chase after the the things and the cares of this world, but to really truly enter into your story. I pray that you would right now bring faith, hope, and love. And Lord, as we continue into this this coming year, would you help us as a church community once again re-engage, reconnect, and re-mission with your kingdom and all that your kingdom has for us?